Well, we got quite the show for you on Hotline League episode 15. That's right, it's our first ever Riot employee. Last week we had our first ever pro player. Now we got our first ever Riot employee. Riot Chopper himself, who is the head of NALCS, will be on the show. So much to talk about. We've got NALCS finals uh, staring down the barrel right now. We've got a bunch of international events that got announced. All that and more starting on Hotline League in just a second. Hotline League is brought to you by... Open by HP. Once again, I nailed the opening. This is it's been two weeks since I've messed up. Very excited about it. You've been doing it how many weeks? Three weeks total? Yeah, this might be week four. I think the first week we did it, the second week we messed up, then the next two were good. Either way, that's a good sign for this show. And let's be let's face it, this show needs all the help it can get. I'm joined right now uh by my constant co-host on the show, Mark. Zimmerman, how's it going, Mark? I had a great week, Travis. That's Absolutely great. Absolutely, just a fantastic week. LCS was great. Personal life was great. Uh, everything is great, and I I love doing this show with you. I can't wait to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, I just want to point out we respond to your feedback. We'd be getting a lot of feedback that the first <laughs> the first five minutes of the show, Mark already seemed angry or sully or you know like he didn't want just to be tired. here. Uh, tired. Now he's here. He's we we are we're fixing the show every week. It's getting better and yeah. better. It's, I got a Red Bull. Yeah, clearly. I gotta say, your your joke was... last night was so fucking good. Which one about about the um, like sitting in a closet watching I AFI. Oh talk yes, yes. I I laughed so hard at that. I made I made I showed a lot of people it. Yeah. For those for those that don't know, uh, last this this is a constant thing. We can just talk about this a little bit at the start of the show. As Mark's camera goes out of focus for some reason, uh, so we, Mark and I, and pretty much everybody else that works in in esports, uh, especially people that are public facing, get messages all the time that are like, "How do I work in esports? How do I get a job in esports?" It's great to see that kind of passion. Uh, What's well, not so great is people's inability to just do a Google search. <laughs> it's literally the most common question that creators get. Yeah, and so, so you can just do like if you just search Travis Gafford how to get in esports, you'll get a mess. Or you'll get you'll find a video. Uh, but I think everybody's written kind of a blog or a post or some video somewhere. Uh, and so Mark, somebody tweeted at me and I replied and then Mark kind of snarkily replied and was like, how can you get into esports without doing any effort or research? And I said, uh, convince a team you could be an analyst and then actually just get free housing so you could sleep in their closet and watch uh, I, I, AFIs, which turned out to be IMDb's top 100 uh, best videos. That's actually the start of Mark's esports career. That's how it started. Yeah, if you cut out the seventy-hour weeks of work, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, but that—that that was you were living basically in the was it Kurt? It was Curse at the time, the Curse Closet. Yep, I was a uh, season four Curse House in Redondo Beach. Yeah, and I just remember was... several years ago, Mark told me that basically his life was just being an analyst, and that in the evening he'd go in the closet and just search up the next video on imdb's top 100 movies of all time so he's seen all these classics or whatever oh, because yeah. that was his life for like a year i didn't talk to anyone i didn't have any friends in the scene all my other friends are back on the east coast i just yeah. didn't do anything but watch movies yeah and da damien estrada head of uh one up team liquids production studio says that you only played dark souls and then you complained about the team that's not quite true i mean dark souls 2 came out and i complained about dark souls 2 yeah I think I made Josh play Dark Souls one. Okay. Uh, but yeah. The early days of of Mark Zimmerman. 
So you said your personal life and everything's been great. Was this week actually good or was it just another week for you? Um, it was good in the sense where I was just like, you know what? If I'm not doing anything else. Uh, like uh, offline TV is on like a little bit of a hiatus right now. Yeah. So like, and there's like a couple small things I, sh- I should have done, but I was like, nah. Pokey like wanted us to watch um, a cut of her podcast thing. And I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll hold off on that. Yeah. I've just been relaxing instead. Nice. Yeah, I saw you you paused your Patreon. Yeah, well, that was more of a result of like, so like I got pretty tired the last two weeks with just work and stuff because I was like finding an editor as well as like there's the T-Pain thing. There's a bunch of stuff. Uh, and like I just didn't have any time to work on my personal stuff. So I was like, you know what? I feel pretty bad taking money without doing anything. Yeah. I guess I still have enough of a conscience to be like, I shouldn't do that. So I paused my Patreon. Yeah. Which is odd because that's half the people in esports. They take money without doing anything. So I'm, I was surprised that you, you had that that level of conscious. E- either way, uh, so we've got uh, as as I said at the start of the show, we have Riot Chopper. What's with all the old people in here, dude? There's Btran, Alex Penn. Yeah, Kelly Mang, ancient. Yeah, all these all these washed up. People. Yeah, there's just a lot of hype for this this episode. Derek, Ice Chest is in here. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Twitch chat, by the way. This, if you guys are watching the VOD, these the statement doesn't make any sense. But uh, we, yeah, for those, uh, the reason why everybody's here is because we've got uh, Riot Chopper who will be joining us in uh, just a few minutes to talk about uh, all sorts of stuff. He's actually the head of NALCS, so this is going to be an interesting episode. I'm fascinated to see how callers interact with a live Riot employee. Um, I'm I'm concerned, quite frankly, but we'll see. Uh, and uh, and so I re- ask, by the way, as as we're starting to get into this, and as soon as we get Chopper on, uh, Mark will start grabbing questions from the chat and all that stuff. But uh, please be respectful to our guest. Um, you know, I I think Travis is building the ultimate safe space. He's padding the walls, yeah. making sure everyone's only got like you know squirt guns out nothing too crazy no i just think you know if you go on reddit there's oftentimes a lot of hostility to rioters and i think uh this show in the past we've had uh dash on who i guess dash and azale are technically our first right employees i don't know why i said choppers but they feel a little different right and uh and they're I, used to being in front of a camera yeah and so i just you know if you had a bad experience because of a your favorite team who hasn't been in the lcs for four years got a remake against them in 2013. I this is probably not the the place to do that. Um, uh, but I am excited to have him on. Uh, one of the things that I I'm going to talk about, and I actually want to ra- rage out about it on the show right now, uh, because actually Chopper's the head of NALCS. This isn't an NALCS thing, but we'll talk about it a little bit with them. So, uh, international events got announced today. We now know that uh, MSI is happening in Berlin and Paris. Worlds is happening in Korea with details to come. All-Stars is somewhere in North America. No details yet on that. Um, but, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, 2014 Worlds is still my favorite Worlds of all time from, from at least a personal perspective. I think there was a lot of really cool things, but I loved Korea. It's going to be so great to go back. It's been, it's been too long, quite frankly. Uh, and I think, you know, Paris is a great city. It is kind of crazy that they're doing another German uh france world international event uh not world uh, international event but excited about it the only thing i i am not happy about is that the studio matches the studio nalcs berlin will be taking over 
the sorry, the LCS in Berlin, the LCS studio in Berlin will be handling <laughs> like everything. Flub sense ever. You want to take it from the top? I'm just I'm just <laughs> so mad about it. So mad about it. No, I mean, I've talked about this before. This is a constant battle with me and Riot, you know, uh, episode 500 of Travis Gafford and, and where they decide to hold events. First, it was Tallahassee. Uh, then it was the NALCS studio for All-Stars. Now we're back at, uh, now we're back in another LCS studio for uh, an international event. So I'm kind of bummed about it. And I don't know, uh, Mark, you should tell me if I'm I'm freaking out. I don't, it doesn't sound like you're freaking out. I, I agree that group stage in the LCS doesn't feel that hype when it's a venue that you see every week multiple times. Yeah. I can understand wanting one of the few international events that we get a year to be of a little grander scale. Yeah. But other than that, I'm excited about it. Uh, and I think that's cool for sure. And that's, that's what I got before, before we get them on. Do you have anything else we need to talk about before we, we bring them on? I've got a commercial I gotta go to. No, some people were mentioning the SOAS thing, but I just thought that was funny. I don't yeah. know. I didn't even see what SOAS said. Uh, it was just a a back and forth that then no longer became a back and forth. Oh. Okay. Well, I'll read up on that later. Yeah, it's not that interesting. Don't bother. All right. Uh well, without further ado, that logo on the screen in the middle signals quick little break we're gonna take before we get Chopper on. Uh, if those of you that have not watched the show in the past couple of weeks might not have noticed this, but we actually have a sponsor on the show. Mark and I, we spent a lot of time, about 10 minutes before the start of the show, <laughs> thinking about how we're going to handle it. Uh, it's a lot of effort. And we now have a sponsor who's come in and is supporting the show, and that is Omen by HP. If you haven't been uh, around or you haven't been paying attention the past couple of years, they've entered the gaming space, again, with with Omen by HP as their brand. They actually do a bunch of really cool things in esports, and that's one of the things that I like about uh, sort of how they're interacting with the gaming community is that because they came in the past couple of years, they know that esports is such a big deal. They know it's a, a really plays a really big role. <laughs> Mark with his Omen headset on right now. I've got No, I'm just trying to look at something very close oh, to my wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is all I'm doing. He's there's a something he's trying to listen in because the audio yeah. uh, coming from his monitor, there's some sort of weird Buzzing noise. He doesn't have an Omen monitor, but I have an Omen laptop back here. Either way, the point is they are uh, they're supporting us uh, on the show. They're supporting esports. They do things like they sponsor the Overwatch League, which I'm sure Monte Cristo and Chad is happy about. They sponsor uh, this show, so they've kind of got you know the big big shows like Hotline League. They've got the grassroots shows like Overwatch League. You know, it's it's they they just covers the gambit here. No, I'm just making a joke, but. Really appreciate them. Uh, they hooked up uh, myself and my editor with some gear. So actually, this show is broadcasting from an Omen computer. I haven't had an issue with it at all. It's been great. It's been fantastic. And uh, really appreciate their support. They're actually doing um, a giveaway right now, which I'm going to grab the link for, which I should have had from before, but I've misplaced it as I accidentally closed the tab. So I'm. Uh, you're doing so good I'm a second filled, ago. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. Uh, Restart time. the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shows. Start. Shows restarting. Uh, no, they're doing a giveaway right now, uh, sort of based around another video game that is not uh, League of Legends. Uh, but if you guys want to check that out, I'm dropping the the link into Twitch chat, and you guys can also uh, check it out on the YouTube channel. Uh, as well, if you want to win 
some access for a, a different esports event that exists in Los Angeles. Either way, we thank uh, Omen so much for their support. Really appreciate Omen by HP. Uh, Mark is uh, Mark is gonna get paid one of these days because I have I have the ability to pay him now for it. So I just I'm waiting on his paperwork. Is it literally on my end now? Yes, it is on your oh. end. Oh, oh, that's ready to okay. go. <laughs> that's okay, fine. my bad. Another another thing he'll have to handle this week. Either way, thanks so much, Omen, uh, for their support. And without further ado, it is now time to bring our boy Chris Hopper Chopper onto the show. Uh, I'm going to switch panels really quickly as we transition to having him on momentarily. Adding him in. Tell me when I should uh, throw him into. Yeah, you can drag him into the Discord call. Hello, Chopper. Hello. If you can mute your Skype, turn your webcam on, uh, and unmute on Discord, we'll, we'll have everything we need. And unmuted on Discord. Okay, cool. Perfect. All right, Perfect. so now I just need to... Oh, thank you, Ryuprox. Sorry. Oh, the only other thing you need to do is you need to turn all those lights off behind you and get some uh, <laughs> yeah. Hugh Phillips light bulbs real quick. Yeah, if you could replace yeah. all the office lights in the in the LCS office uh, with, with colored light bulbs, that would be great. Yeah, after watching the Dash episode where he like clearly tried to upstage any future Riot guest with lights, I knew that my two options were either to... Uh, do the LCS studio and just use all of the LEDs there, or just go with the plain office lights. And, that would have been a, yeah, a way to one up. Yeah, that everybody. would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, sadly, we we couldn't make it happen for tonight, but we'll see if we can set it up for a future. All right. So the next guest, it's on them. Yeah, the next <laughs> guest, we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it taken care of for them. I I really like the idea that uh, it had had we not used this, which is I assume the the Riot Esports office behind you. I really like mm -hmm. the idea of having you in the LCS studios if that's just where you work. You know, just like a desk sitting in the middle of the stage with all the lights on you. Well, that's actually yeah. what they do is they, they repurpose the stage. So, like, when their games aren't going on during the week, employees just work on those. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That was kind of the idea. They also gonna spill be, a lot. There's going to be a single chair in the middle of the stage with, like, just a laptop camera and then all the LEDs going crazy. <laughs> well, that would have been sick. And, and, uh, and two pairs of sunglasses just for yeah. Mark. By the oh, way, I somebody just bought you a subscription. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the club. You're now a sub. You can Glad use a to mark. Contribute. Mark Ovley yeah. Kelby emotes on the on the LCS. Yeah, next podcast. on the LCS next week when when the analyst desk is up, you can spam. Yeah, my one emote. All right, so <laughs> you're on the show. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know who you are, what you do, they haven't, they've missed out the memo. Uh, what would you you want to introduce yourself and sort of describe your role and and everything? Sure. Uh, so I'm Chris Hopper, but everyone knows me as Riot Chopper. Uh, I've been with Riot for about five and a half years now, joined in the end of 2012, um, and initially came on board to kind of help with a lot of the LCS startups. So everything from the first rule set to the first team agreements, uh, refereeing the first match, um, kind of helped out with a lot of the NALCS and EULCS formation pieces. Um, over time, got to contribute on a whole bunch of different efforts. I uh, was able to PO a couple events, including the summer regional final we did at Madison Square Garden. And when you say PO, uh, you mean like you were the head of it? Correct. Uh, the product owner. Um, and so kind of bounced around, worked with a bunch of different teams, did a lot of work within League Ops, um, but eventually transitioned to leading our international team. So we had a team of folks here in the Los Angeles office who worked with all of our uh, 13 professional leagues across the world. 
um, to just kind of help them, you know, learn from mistakes that we've made in North America and, and kind of level up um, working with some of their staff and their teams. Um, did that for about two or three years uh, and now have transitioned back into leading NAE Sports. So I'm not kind of focused on, on one region now. Yeah. Very good. And you work all alone in that office with all those desks behind all, you. All alone. I just, I periodically go desk to desk. I answer one email per desk. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. You're just, you're, those desks symbolize all the different roles that you have on the NALCS. Exactly. And so this is like the marketing desk. This is the Yeah, the some people talk about wearing hats. I just, I stand at desks. Okay, good, good. That's yeah. good. like that. Uh, all right, cool. So, um yeah, I mean, I, it's really good to have you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, hopefully, yeah, my pleasure. I'm sure we're all very nervous about what terrible things could be had. You know, people <laughs> again, people bring up uh, some angry thing. Why is why is Good Game University not in the the LCS? Travis today, had you know? every caller. They're gonna have to take a personality test to make sure that they're like acceptable <laughs> before we can bring them on for this like episode. INTJs only. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Rick and Morty fans only. I get to be this intellectual. <laughs> Now, so uh, let's talk a little bit. So uh, first off, congratulations on announcing uh, the last time I interviewed you, last time we spoke, mm -hmm. it was uh, for the NALCS finals in Florida. Uh, that is now on full swing. And I know we're kind of staring down the barrel of that. Um, there was a bit of a snafu with the tickets, uh, which I know you guys are, I believe, still sorting out. But um, I know that, so obviously you guys posted a bit of a, an update on sort of what went wrong and all that. Uh, my mm -hmm. take is Ticketmaster sucks and you guys are forced to use Ticketmaster. <laughs> I'm sure your take is a little bit more political than that. But I mean, how how are things developing since sort of all that stuff went down and, and how much of it can you talk about? Um, you know, we, we don't have a substantive update yet. If we did, we would have put something out uh, to let all of the fans know. Um, but, you know, we are continuing to work through understanding the scope and scale of the impact of this, how many people were affected by either the broken links or uh, kind of too many codes being issued. Um, we're trying to understand essentially also who those viewers are. So are those people that are, you know, local in Miami or the people that would have had to travel because, um, you know, we, we do want to find a way to kind of make this up to people, but depending on how they were planning on participating in the event might change the way that they would want to, uh, you know, potentially be made up to. Uh, and so, you know, we're exploring a bunch of different options um, and trying to figure out what we can do. But, uh, you know, probably more to come either, if not by the end of this week, early next. Yeah. Were you guys kind of taken back by the amount of attention and the amount of people that wanted to attend the event or did it kind of meet expectations? Um, I, I, after, you know, five plus years in esports, I'd hesitate to say that I'm surprised much by by the passion of our fans. Um, every time you start to think that it slowed down, it just feels like it doubles up again. Um, so no, I wasn't surprised necessarily by how many fans wanted to go. I think we were a little conservative in our venue choice and we talked a little bit about some of the reasons why we wanted to do that. It you know, allowed us to kind of explore other markets. Um, and you know, the, the passion of the fans down there was a, a primary reason why we wanted to go to South Florida. And so, you know, it was unfortunate that we weren't able to get tickets to everybody that we wanted to get them to. Um, but I think, you know, the, the fact that everyone cared so much is, is part of the reason why we were going down there. I think, you know, we just, uh, next time we know we have an even greater audience down there than we might've anticipated. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, do you worry at all about, 
is is it a problem if you guys are having because again the last time we spoke it was kind of like yeah we're looking at doing a smaller venue it's a bit of a different feel um the, you know for me i'm sure there i'm i'm aware that there are probably a ton of fans that are in that area of the country and they're probably worrying like oh when is the next time that like there's so many different places for NALCS to go. Um, mm-hmm. And they're worried, like, is this ever going to come back to my area or whatever? You know, are are you, is it an issue if there are a lot of fans in that area that they want to go and they can't go or something like that? Is this something you guys will take into consideration as you kind of go back and forth between, like, how big of a venue is too big versus, like, what's the right feel versus all that kind of stuff? Um, uh, the the exact art and science of venue selection is one that has a lot of factors go into it. I think in this case, understanding the passion of the South Florida crowd um, is certainly a newer factor that we would have to address. We didn't necessarily anticipate this much passion and this much enthusiasm for fans wanting to attend an event in that market. So I think as we look at future events, you know, when we're starting to evaluate whether it makes sense to go back to South Florida, uh, that certainly will take into account, you know, I mean, we've, when we find great opportunities and and great venues and great uh, fan bases, we'd love to go back to them. You know, that's why we we, uh, have hit some of the same venues that we have in the past. So, you know, as we learn more about this, this audience that we have down South Florida, I think it's certainly feasible to say that their passion will color future events coming back to that area. Yeah. Mark, do you have uh, any questions for Chopper? I don't want to take up the the whole the whole little intro section by myself. No, I actually don't have too many. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure at some point he's going to have to answer the best of one versus best of three thing. Cause I know I got some tweets about that, but yeah. I mean, I also, I feel like if I really wanted to talk to him, I could like be like, Hey dude, I'm on the office. On <laughs> yeah. Thursday you see him every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you sit two, you sit like two desks over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think if I needed to grab him for a question, I could. Well, so then I'll, I'll just ask uh, two more questions. One is, all right, we're more than halfway through the spring split. We've got like the mm-hmm. franchise teams in. You know, from your perspective, how's everything going with the new NALCS, if if we're going to call it that? Yeah, um, I will personally say I've been incredibly excited by watching the, the games week in week out. Um, I think it's been awesome to see some of the newer orgs uh, like Clutch, like Hundred Thieves, really be able to kind of perform at the top of the table. Um, I think we're seeing some of the storylines that a lot of people take for granted uh, kind of being inverted. We're seeing new players on the scene who are, are starting to tear it up, um, you know, and I think no one can hate against a, a happy Rick Fox at the end of the day. So, you know, from my perspective, the fact that the games feel so difficult to pick um, as evidenced by, you know, Jets narrow lead or is he Mark, is he still losing to the yeah. dogs? Uh, I think he's losing to the dogs. Uh, or tied with them, and yeah. then he's beating me in overall predictions. But I have I have the advantage in what the dogs predict. Yeah. Um, so the the fact that it is so close, and and I I, I joke, at, uh, you know, um, I appreciate the good humor from Mark and Jack. But like it's it, the fact that these games are so close, and the fact that these outcomes are so uncertain makes it must watch TV. And and to me, that's that's the core of, of what I want to see as a fan. I want to go in and be able to appreciate. Uh, the match and be able to, you know, kind of watch without knowing what's going to happen and and enjoy kind of the thrill of the sport. So watching a league that feels this dynamic is is exciting for me as a fan. Yeah. 
Now, yet to be known yet if it's dynamic because all the teams suck or all the teams are great. <laughs> because I got to say, when Golden Guardians yeah. loses to Optic but then beats Team Liquid, I think uh, the next day it's it's kind of confusing. But it's it's the eternal optimism of an NA. Look great until until proven otherwise. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's right. We look how close it is. We're also competitive. That's that's good. <laughs> Uh, uh, go let ahead, me Mike. just hop in and talk about for the Twitch chat viewers about how this all works because uh, there's some people who are in the waiting room already and spamming. Um, so if you guys have not watched this show before, the way this works is there is a Discord that everyone is supposed to join if they want to get on the show. Posting in Twitch chat now. Uh, what you do is you click that link. Um, you then join both the general text channel and one of the general voice channels and then in the general text channel write your take you think best of three is better because this you think best of one is better because this uh, i'll then pull you into the waiting room and uh you'll have to wait there until we get to you and then i'll test your mic make sure everything's good and then we'll bring you on if you're already in the waiting room stop typing if you're typing in general but you're not one of the voice channels join a voice channel just uh, two little bits of advice because these are things that are currently happening yeah, people who are spamming uh, will get banned from the Discord. Uh, Is that if, true? Oh, <laughs> yes, Mark, it's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they need wow, to not way, spam. Way to expose, Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not very smooth. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that... Is that true? Uh, Is that an empty threat, Travis? Well, it's just like, I feel like sometimes I encourage the spamming, so it might be... Yeah. Mark, uh, oh, and then, uh, yeah, if, by the way, if you guys are subs, feel free to use the sub chat. Mark and I try to check that a little bit frequently, and it gives you a bit of a, a higher chance of getting in. Uh, the last thing I will say, uh, Chopper, so this is not your area of expertise, so I'm not going to grill you endlessly on it, but uh, the I'm excited about Korea. Worlds mm -hmm. is going to be sick. I think maybe one of the first times, uh, not one of the first times, but I remember way back when there was a day where I did a Travis Talks about how MSI was in Tallahassee and how I didn't like that. And the next day I was at like the food truck in front of LCS and you're like, Hey, by the way, Travis, I'm the product owner for MSI this year. I saw your video. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but uh, you know, the continual Travis complaints about the venue locations and decisions for, for some of these events. Uh, so, but Berlin is hosting almost all of MSI this year. Um and up until semifinals and finals, which will be in, in Paris, really uh, excited about the, the semifinals and finals for sure. And I'm sure groups is going to be great. But why do did we go with uh, the EU LCS studio for uh, the groups? And also, can you clarify a little bit? Because it says like the newly renovated studio. Some people, I think, think that's the current studio or it's going to look differently. Um, maybe you can add some explanation for that, too. Uh, sure. So I, I will caveat this up front as you did by saying I don't work on the events team anymore. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily have the best answers. Now. I'll kind of give you my understanding of the situation. Um, basically, when we look at events, uh, especially international events that are going to be multi-stage, we're trying to tell a story as the event continues. And that story for us needs to culminate in kind of a spectacle. And in order for it to feel like there is that build up to a spectacle, it needs to kind of start at a smaller stage. And so when we were looking at some of the smaller stages that might be appropriate, uh, it became pretty quickly apparent to us that all of the capabilities that a lot of these smaller venues could have were pretty similar to the capabilities that we had uh, in, our EU, in our EU studio. And so while we are admittedly trading off 
not being in a different city and not being able to expose, you know, a couple hundred or a couple thousand people to to that level of the event. Uh, by being in the EU studio and kind of being on our own home turf, we it does allow us to kind of take a lot more liberties with the broadcast. We're able to uh, be much sharper with the show. It's it's a space that we know much better. And, you know, I, I won't speak for the team. I don't know what surprises they might have in store for it. I would anticipate that it will not look exactly like the kind of standard EU LCS studio. And I would imagine that they've got some tricks up their sleeve. Um, but, you know, this was a decision that was made in order to allow us to take advantage of the EU LCS studio, which we did uh, a significant renovation on in the off season to build out, you know, a master control suite there and a lot of the broadcast capabilities that the EU LCS now enjoys. Um, and it would still allow us to then build to that same spectacle uh, that we want for the, the Paris end of the show. So, um, you know, I think we we are excited about the opportunities to kind of work in those studios and, and understand that it does come at a trade-off. But, um, you know, for this event and what we were kind of looking at through the course of it, it felt like the, the right step to take. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, uh, maybe maybe we'll – I'm excited to see what the international events team is, is up to and uh, and hopefully it kind of, kind of surpasses my expectations. So I remember – I just remember that what the studio looked like for uh, – I think it was 20 – 15 All-Star. What was the first All-Star that was at the NALCS studio? Was it 2015 or 2016? I think it was 2015. 2015. Because Barcelona was 20. Okay. Yeah, I remember that looked very different. It was kind of cool. So uh, I think, yeah. you know, there's there's definitely a precedent for doing something cool. We'll, we'll see. What well, sure. if you've looked at some of the, especially some oh. that were uh, in the non You're cutting guys. in and out, uh, Chopper, a little bit. I'm not sure what. Uh, must be that that quality riot studio uh broadcast <laughs> yeah yeah no can you guys hear me right yeah, yeah yeah go ahead uh you were saying if you look at um if you look at some of the things that especially some smaller regions did during rift rivals to really kind of spice up their venues you know they weren't making multi-million dollar changes to their studio but they were able to get a really different look and feel that uh kind of felt more in line with the story there so i think between uh, the capabilities in that studio and some of the lessons that we've learned over the last year or two, uh, whether it be from All Star or whether it be from Rift Rivals, I'm I'm very excited to see what that team can produce. Cool. I can give uh, a bit of uh, advice. You should get all the lights that are used for like analyst desks and casters and stuff and replace them with Hugh Phillips lights. Yeah, Hugh Phillips just, lighting. I would. This yeah, show should then, be sponsored by Hugh Phillips lighting. And then you can just copy this look and feel. We yeah. won't. It's you won't charge for, for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's, that's, that's free. Okay, probably yeah. what Miami's going to look like. They they just took the Hotline League aesthetic and then they're just like, let's just let's the whole. You know, whole this, thing. this show started before that was announced, Travis. Maybe we did influence. That's. I mean, what do you mean? Maybe I, you know, we did. It's definitely. If, you never asked the question in the first interview, Travis. Was this just a blatant rip Hotline League? And, yeah. You know, we've put to the test. I'm not sure about how I could answer that. Yeah. So this is the fun thing. I don't think we'll be able to fix it, but your your microphone cuts out once every other sentence for like one word, and so it just sounds like you're cussing the entire show, and we're just beeping it. <laughs> so I'm, I really we're really excited for the new event to happen. No, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah. Either way, either way. You ready for the callers? Yeah, ready for the callers. Uh, as All Mark right. goes off to fish his uh, first caller out of that room. I will say. 
Uh, the first caller, even though we've kind of talked about it, I feel like I need to give the floor to people who didn't get tickets, like some representative to voice their opinion. So I grabbed one guy who I think that's his opinion. Oh, we're so starting a- off with the not get the ticket guy. Throwing I mean, I just, just so like the people in chat who are like, Do I didn't get a ticket. Like there's, I don't know how many there are. I've seen a couple people posting it. So we can just get this guy out of the way. <laughs> the way you say that is so like, it's like, let's just this, get this. This person will represent all of them okay. and you are therefore addressing them. All right. All right. Here we go. Yeah, Mark, as as Chopper takes a swig of what we can only assume is alcohol. Okay, really quickly, the <laughs> the, the people who have subbed, I'm gonna give quick shout outs really quickly. Jordan, Event Nexus, Rico Suave, eight six one ninety three, Dorking, Wrath of Khan, uh, Nemo Heels, Pacific Star, Squeak the Week, Rhino Rhino, nineteen ninety two, the Eight Bit Creeper, uh, Alex Tequila twenty three. Ichiryu has resubbed. Ryu Prox, OPTSM fan, was the person who gifted the sub to Riot Chopper, so thank you very much. I'm sure Chopper is, this is the best gift he's ever gotten. Yeah. Uh, Gingza, what is uh, subbed? Uh, and, and we're ready, Mark. So, no, well, true to typical Hotline League fashion, the one guy I pulled for this question is not answering anymore, so we're pivoting to somebody else. Okay. okay. <laughs> and in the meantime, I will find someone who did not get a ticket and is mad. Yeah, good. Good. I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Here's here's the actual. First okay, time. we got Jadek on the show. Jadek, where are you calling from? Travis, I got to correct you this time. It's just Jadek. I don't know where you get the duck in that. Well, there's um, like two um, D's, so. <laughs> well, Jadek. I appreciate appreciate the enunciation, but uh, listen, Jadek, it's my show. Arkansas. I'll call you whatever I want. Where are you calling from? <laughs> Fayetteville, Arkansas. From Arkansas. All right. And uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I just kind of wanted to ask Chopper about some general ideas into rule building and policy setting and then incorporating new software and technology into kind of the rule set and competitive play. Sounds really so, basic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, what what, are, what do you practically want to ask or well, talk about? I, okay, to, to put specifics on that, sure. one of the things I was thinking about was like the Corona break, like mm-hmm. kind of talking about uh, you know, I would imagine some of that was brought into uh, the scene through wanting to track players and how they were interacting on the game. Did that just come from, you know, logging that all out and then rewinding that? Or was that something that you guys like originally thought? That was actually built out of wanting to fix the exact situation that uh, it was built because we had watched enough eSport pauses that felt salvageable but because we didn't have the tech to avoid the single death that we felt otherwise complicated the game um and you know there was a credit all credit goes to a, a team of really talented between the esports team um and the the guys on the little product um they were able to build out that that technology for us so that one specifically was actually built for the the esports reason and so kind of just to follow up on that a little bit as well uh, uh like how did you go about setting up the rule set for that, allowing the players to decide if they want to take that or not? And also that leading into uh, remake and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, you know, any anytime we're introducing a, a large shift in sort of how matches can play out, especially at sort of big um, deterministic points like that, we want to make sure that we're taking the time to not only make these policy changes Uh, in a very calculated fashion, but we want to make sure that they're ones where we're consulting all parties to kind of understand the implications 
uh, on those decisions. So, you know, we had various versions of this technology working in various states and we're able to show it to teams and show it to coaches and show it to players. And almost universally, they all wanted this technology because they want to be able to play out the games. And so they don't want these games to have to go back and be remade and do do the same expands or do different ones. So, you know, because everyone was so in alignment around building the technology into the game and, and being able to kind of use it as as quickly and efficiently as possible then it just became the question of okay what's the right way to integrate this so that, such that it can be fair to all parties um, you know there's a lot of sort of wargaming and contingency planning so what happens if it happens to a team that's behind what happens if it happens to a team that's ahead we try and play out a lot of those scenarios and make sure that at the end of the day all of the outcomes felt fair um, and once we kind of had a, a relatively strong policy, we were able to kind of turn it over to put into the, the league and, and run with it from there. Does that, um, oh, go ahead, Jacek. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, I, I, I like that a lot. I came from the StarCraft II world for pro gaming and all that, and that was something that always drove me insane, uh, watching those remakes happen because of something you know, crazy happening in the game or disconnects and all that kind of stuff. Um, to kind of continue on that thought uh, process of kind of towards the policy set, mm -hmm. um, what caused the change on changing the rule for import players of then making them residents to make that longer and then creating that cutoff point and all that? Yeah, so you're talking about the change when we, uh, not the initial implementation, but when we extended it out and then eventually kind of remove residency except for the grandfathered players. Correct. So uh, the decision at that point, so to kind of understand the context of that, you have to understand the context. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry. Trying to fix, go, yeah, go ahead again, Chopper. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm thinking, I think I have a solution, which is you uh, unmute yourself on Skype and then okay. I will mute you on Discord. And then I think, because I think it's Discord that's cutting out. Okay. okay, I'm, I'm on unmuted on Skype. Okay, perfect. All right, I think we're, we are going to solve it. So go ahead and keep answering. I hear you guys on both, though. Yeah, you'll and have to figure that out, Mark. I believe in you. And the person Mark, you can just, Mark, just server mute me on Discord. Well, okay. but then the caller can't hear you. So no, Mark, no, he's saying I, Mark, just oh. privately mute Chopper on yeah. Discord, and yeah. we'll be good. The caller will just hear him cut out a little bit, but I think we'll be fine. Yeah, okay, I got you. Can I still hear the caller? Yes. Okay. Um, so when we were talking, oh, now I have a nasty echo. Oh, I don't hear it. I hear I an echo from I, Travis. I hear an echo from know. me. Okay, okay, hey, God, I'll mute myself. Oh, um, God, Travis tried to be clever, and he just ruined the show. Hang on, I just muted myself on Discord. <laughs> yeah, but now the no, caller now the caller can't hear you. Hey, let's all mute ourselves so the caller feels left out. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, it's fine, it's fine. I think we're good. So what do you want me muted on? Um, I can hear myself echoing with this yeah. setup. All right, we'll go back. To, we'll go back to normal. We'll go back to normal. <laughs> Mute yourself on Skype again. Yeah, it, uh, if only you, you had some friends that well, have like QA <laughs> this setup for you. Yeah, if only, if only there was a way to make this work. Can yeah. you mute yourself on Skype, Travis? I'm sick of hearing two of you. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Are we all good? Yes. All right. Uh, sorry for that caller. Um, so basically when we're talking about um, the interregional movement policy and the initial kind of thoughts behind it, 
what we were looking to do was establish a means by which players from other regions could go to a different region, uh, cement themselves there, you know, become established players and kind of pursue free market, um, and eventually kind of integrate themselves into that community, that player base, into that league, uh, and become a part of that. And I think the great example of that is Bjergsen. You know, he came over to North America, he integrated himself with the fan base, and, and I think now if you ask most people, he would be viewed as an NA player. And so that was kind of the original idea. The problem was what we saw after implementation was that there were teams that were sort of just looking to isolate elements of the um, the team such that they were kind of able to just focus on playing and not really the integration element. And so when we looked at it, we were seeing a bunch of players who were only spending the required time in the other region. And then they were immediately kind of going back to their home region or, you know, they weren't trying to learn the language or interact with the fans. And so at the end of the day, we were just concerned that this was going to just essentially time delay a, you know, an unregion locked um, set of teams in every region. And so, you know, that's why we kind of pushed out the, the timing because we want to make sure that if there was a player who's going to be able to, um, naturalize or, you know, gain citizenship or become a permanent resident of the league, that it's demonstrative of a greater intent to really join that community and join that culture. And, and that to us felt like it preserved the integrity of the league and the ability to kind of build out teams that were still aspirational role models for the local fan bases. But it also allowed teams to pursue the kind of talent that they wanted to globally uh, and allowed players globally to pursue jobs in any market. So, um, you know, it was it was certainly an update on a, on the policy because we didn't necessarily um, kind of correctly hypothesize the impact that it would have on the players, uh, but we feel pretty good about where we got to as an end. Hey, thank you so um, much, Jadek, uh, for calling in. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, so the next the next as we live troubleshoot this, if you can uh, change <laughs> your your voice sensitivity in Discord, I. I Put a message uh, into the Skype chat. All right, we're grabbing the next caller, and while we get the next caller and uh, Chopper continues to experiment with his uh, settings, we're going to have, uh, I want to say thank you to Jedek, by the way, who was just on the show, but also subbed Trick759, Rayma39, Frost, Slasher, Bagpipes, 064, Kiwi Mullet Boy, uh, and then Obi Pwn Kenobi so far has gifted a sub to Risen Lazarus, Steve from Team Liquid, so literally paying Steve from Team Liquid was very funny, and Kelby, so things are going well, and Hippie Steve has, has resubbed. Uh, is so this any better, Travis? That is so much better, I think. Cool. All right. Here's the, the Florida guy. Okay. okay, the Florida guy is here. Rodman, Rodman 101. You represent all of, all of Florida who couldn't get tickets and wanted to go to this yes. event, so you, are, you have been unduly elected to represent your community. Um, well, I don't think I'm the best person to represent that community since I do have tickets. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Rodman101, where are you calling? I assume you're calling from Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm about 45 minutes northwest of the venue okay. uh, here in Pembroke Pines. Also, we just got paid by Steve as he donated 10,000 bits to the show. So thank you, thank you Steve, for, <laughs> for paying us. All right, so Rodman... You're on the show to tell Chopper how much you had no issues with uh, the ticket system and you're super happy. Yes, that's definitely my take. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, it was 
difficult to say the least to to get tickets. Um, I luckily I was ready half an hour before I did my homework. I had the Ticketmaster link open because I was able to find it through Ticketmaster, but the link that I received in a text message didn't work until like 20 minutes after it opened. And when I was able to buy tickets, maybe five or 10 minutes after 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, whenever it opened, I'd say at least 30% of the seats were gone. Um, I was able to score reasonable seats, but I mean, like I told everyone that I, that I was friends with, I wanted to be able to, you know, really sit as close as I could, you know, feel their, 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 uh, spit on my face as they were yelling out, <laughs> uh, as they were yelling out stuff. And uh, I mean, I was a little disappointed. I'm lucky that I got the tickets, but I'm, I'm disappointed at, um, how, how it all went down. I understand it's not Riot's fault, but I, I want to hear, you know, what, what you guys are kind of thinking of doing. And I mean, I, I know that it's targeted towards a Florida audience, specifically a Miami audience, but seeing all these issues and I, I doubt that many Miamians got tickets. I don't think that the event would quite be the same without, you know, the presence of that Miami soul really. Uh, Rodman one one is there, if chopper gets a player to spit on you, will that, will that solve <laughs> the issue for you? Yes. Yeah, just anyone right now. Just I, <laughs> it, lift. Well, I need it. I need my, it. My better question, I guess, Chopper, for future events, will there ever be a splash zone where you're like <laughs> just Gallagher and, Gallagher esque where they have to wear like the the, yeah. the ponchos? Yeah, the ponchos. Sign a release beforehand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. Um, you, you know, to your points, like I completely sympathize with the the pain that you felt uh, as you went through that process. Um, uh, as I kind of talked about in the article that we put up late last week, there were a variety of elements of this that, you know, broke at various points. The links that you mentioned um, were kind of a were big deal. Even and, and even the fact that they were resolved within 30 minutes was was still to us, uh, you know, an, an unacceptable situation. So, right. you know, we are taking the steps as we kind of outlined to sort of revisit the kind of steps that we put in place as we work with different ticket vendors uh, for future events, looking to uh, kind of be more assertive, I would say, throughout the process uh, and kind of challenge a lot of their existing procedural norms just to make sure that our, our fans have the greatest experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes down to it, we're never going to be able to, to unfortunately please everyone that wants a great ticket to an event. You know, we are lucky to have incredibly passionate fans like you. Um, and it is, it is an unfortunate reality of the business that we're in that we can't do live events all the time and give everybody first row seats because, you know, I've, I've seen the, the passion of fans at those events and, and totally agree with you that, you know, it is, it is something truly magical. So, um, you know, I unfortunately don't have a better answer than, we will absolutely learn from this. I can promise you that this is painting all of our staff um, and we are trying to find ways to make it up to the, those who are affected. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you got tickets to the event. I'm excited to kind of see that you really enjoy the show and um, you know, we will continue to learn and improve from this. Okay. All right. Uh, and kind of going back to the other point that I made, um, how, how are you guys trying to kind of bring in this, this whole Miami feel? Because as I was saying, I, I think uh, from what I've seen online, a lot of Miamians weren't able to secure tickets. So how do you, how do you kind of, uh, you know, bring in that feel of the people in this area 
without them actually being there. A lot of them. Really quickly, before Chopper answers that, I would I would just caution you in seeing like I'm sure there are some people from Miami that haven't gotten tickets. Oh, of course. Yeah. And in my experience, like you'll you'll see there I bet you there will be a lot of people from Miami at this yeah. event. Um and that that would be my thing. Even if there are some that didn't get tickets and it sucks. Like that is that's my personal take on it. But I'll yeah, the, the, the problems the problems through the ticketing process weren't more or less heavily affecting, uh, you know, uh, viewers from Miami. So I think to the degree that we typically see very strong hometown audiences come out, I would assume that, you know, the kind of those same metrics would apply for the, the Miami show. And so I would assume that, you know, a large chunk of the crowd that we're going to end up having will be Miami fans or, or fans from the region like yourself who are able to work through the process and, and secure tickets there. Um, so, you know, I, I think between the fact that, A, I, I actually have pretty good faith that we'll have a, a good showing from the crowd there. Um, and then also I have a lot of faith in our broadcast team to kind of capture elements of the look and feel of the region. When you think about, uh, sort of the, the, whether it be the bumper shots we use for our features or some the teaser material or some of the longer format we're able to shoot down there, um, as well as the content that I'm sure all the teams will look to put out down there. I think there will be a pretty strong element of, uh, look and feel of Miami. I mean, that's part of the reason we wanted to go down there is to tap into that culture. Uh, so someone was posting in chat and just so I don't have redundant callers, I'll just read this guy's thing out loud and maybe you can, what's his name? Sure. Knox N A W K S Knox. He was saying I'm from Florida, but I didn't get a ticket. Why should I bother driving down for a sold out show for something? I'm not going to be able to attend. If there is, is there a festival plan? I know spring doesn't warrant anything comparable to worlds yet. There's so much support around that event. Is there anything planned this far out from the event that we're catered to a crowd? Uh, that like doesn't get tickets. So I guess he's asking like viewing parties or anything like that. Yeah. So that's, that's part of what we're looking to understand um, as, as part of kind of the, the effort to resolve this ticketing element is what options there are to work with, you know, either pre-existing or support uh, other potential viewing parties in the area. I think, um, you know, we did kind of underestimate the magnitude and the passion of the crowd that wanted to do or see something in the area. So um, I can't necessarily commit to anything right now. But again, I'd say stay tuned to the Lolly Sports Twitter, um, you know, by probably late, late this week, early next week. I think we'll be able to have some more conclusive answers on what we can do to supplement those who want to see the show and and kind of uh, try and make up for the poor experience they had here. I, I heard a rumor that there was this show, like a community show, uh, that is trying to um, host something out there for the finals. Uh, it's called Hotline Lead. <laughs> I, do that. Mark, I do that. Mark has heard this rumor. Mark has not been in the production meetings that I've been in where we're starting to realize just how many thousands of dollars it costs to get a venue and anything like that. In my I hear there's a groundswell of support from the local community who would just love to have a live. So, so far. So for context, I mean, I mean, Steve just paid a percent of the show. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> so far, so far, Mark has on the show a couple of weeks ago, been like, we should do a live hotline league in Miami. Then now that I've spent several weeks talking to a couple different companies and, and honestly, I haven't felt a bit as much and had Luke, who is uh, one of our producers from Yahoo, do a bunch of research and find out like that this is going to be over 10 grand probably <laughs> make happen. Uh, now Mark is saying that he's hearing it's going to happen. So 
Uh, still working on that, but yes, uh, hopefully Rodman, you can come and ask a question or say something on the show live if we ever get a chance to do it in, in Miami. I'll be there front row. We're hoping, front yeah, row. you'll be in the front row. We'll save a spot. <laughs> I promise you Spin right on. now, if you can make it on the show, you can you can hit up my my mess. You can DM me on on Discord or something. If we actually do the show and there is an audience, we'll give you uh, the splash zone seat in the in the front row. <laughs> totally. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you very much for the opportunity, guys. Yeah, thanks. All right, cool. Uh, so we now we're we've got the tickets out of the way. Yeah, uh, hopefully that's the whole Miami portion of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so we're grabbing more people right now. Uh, we got. Uh, let's see, Obi Pone Kenobi, hit us with fifteen hundred bits. Thank you, and uh, Vizino has subbed, as well. Get our next call. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a change of pace. Okay, Life Admiral is on the show. Where are you calling from, Life Admiral? I'm um, calling from the Middle East. Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. It's always nice to have callers from uh, all over the world. Uh, what do you want yeah, to talk more about? Than... Uh, actually, uh, uh, all right. So, um, I think it's about time that we talk about the elephant in the room. Talks about well. TSM is going to pick it up and everything, but it's time to shine a light on CLG and the fact that it seems that they have the single worst coaching staff in the league. They It does not appear like uh, that they understand meta. Now, yeah, I get it. Every single person on CLG right now has been to Worlds. Ranover has been to Worlds in two, in two different leagues. Um Darshan, Huni, and Stixale together on CLG and Biofrost on TSM. But the fact is, once Smithy went and once Afro went, suddenly this team does not understand macro. They're doing things like trading two, two mid lane towers for an ocean dragon, things like that. So I think this really comes down to the coaching staff because it's happening week after week after week after week where they're making mistakes and nobody seems to be picking up on oh, hey, this is a mistake. Now, I wanted to say this to Frost last week, but I kind of fell asleep before, uh, before it started. So give me your your opinion, but I think I think this coaching staff is – it needs a turnover, personally. Uh, Liquid, by the way, as you're saying this, Liquid, uh, Steve, and chat says, CLG has one of the best coaches in the league. So uh, already got either he either is playing the long game where, here where he's like trying to keep CLG with a shitty coach, or he actually disagrees with you. I don't know. So this is less of a chopper question, more of a Mark question, because uh, I wouldn't expect the head of NALCS to discuss if he thinks that the coaching staff for CLG. <laughs> he's are a fan. I, he says he watches chopper, the game. Yeah, Chopper's I, like. I mean, Zix wants to be fired. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I just want to say before I've been a fan of CLG like. Long time. We're talking 2012, back when Gigi was on, uh, Gigi and Link and and Chowster were on the team. Like we're talking a long time. So I've seen a lot of different iterations of CLG. So this one, this version does not seem well coached to me. I, so I'll I'll actually jump in since you make fun of me for not not knowing my analytical shit, Travis. What I just and, don't and expect. Let, and then I'll let and then I'll let Mark have. Like, you guys are always very hands off, but I'm excited, um, Chapter. No, I, I mean, look, like I've seen I've seen Zix around for years now, and I think there's something to be said for a guy that has coached 
one of the only three franchises that has ever lifted a championship banner in NA. And like, this is a team that's been competitive over the course of, of years. And, you know, at various times has had more success than less success. And they're going through a struggling patch right now, but like that literally could turn around in patch 8.4. Like you don't know whether or not these guys are going to kind of turn around for the second half of this season, or maybe even split. we've seen these guys able to kind of go back and forth and, and channel that magic and make great runs like they did at MSG. So, you know, I personally think it's it's tough to kind of hit that hard on Zix. I mean, I'm sure there's elements of his coaching that Mark could probably diagnose more accurately than I could. But like, I think judging a guy by six weeks when he's been successful for the course of four years is uh, is a little preemptive. Mark? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... a exactly kind of the point i would make just like yes i agree there's been some things i don't like one of the things that we hear a lot about from is like the drafts are particularly weird um and for someone who's usually known for drafting it's like oh man this really sucks to see maybe he's lost his touch but like the team's also not playing well and it's one of those things where like you can have a draft that has a couple win conditions and then if you don't play to them it looks like a bad draft. So a, a good example of this would have been like the Camille, a really in soul game where like, we're used to seeing who he shit on kids with a really in soul. The joke is like, every time he picks it, Oh man, it's the, a really in soul. Like, you know, the once uh, every couple months you leave it up and get shit on to remind yourself that who he's good with it, except that didn't happen this time. And they over-focused top lane and all that stuff happened. So it looked like, Oh, what a shit draft because they got outscaled. So I think it's a bit of a chicken in the chicken or the egg where it's like the team kind of sucks. Is did, did Zix lose his touch? Probably not. And maybe he has, but I would give him more than one or I guess at this point, two thirds of a bad split before you're calling for his head. Uh, I think that's fair. I just, I just, it, it speaks volumes about how tanked once Smith went and then after Afro even went worse. So I think I think those players actually had much more, a much bigger emphasis on the team uh, the team did than Zix did because Zix seems to be the only constant. So that's my uh, that's my opinion. But I have no problem sitting and watching. Just frustrating. Yeah, I mean I can feel that, but like you know, like Chopper said, they've hoisted a banner. They were fourth last split. They changed out two players, and suddenly they're ninth. Like probably has to do with some of those other changes that happened. Yeah. Well, we'll see what goes on. Hey, thanks so much, yeah. uh, Life Admiral, for calling in. And thank you for calling. I'm sure it's pretty late or pretty early there. So I appreciate 630. you. No, seven. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being up at this time for us. Thanks. All right. Moving on to our next caller. Uh, by the way, we got Poro on Mars has subbed. Great name. Really appreciate it. And uh, Boba Cola with the resub. Thank you. Got a next, another caller on in just a second. Are you usually at the uh, office this late, Chopper? Uh, it depends. Um, I try to get home before someone's got to get on to Lapid. Oh, you're cutting out a lot right now for some reason. Sorry, can you say that again? Uh, I said I usually try to get home a little bit early to make sure that someone's online to lose LP to those other kids in silver. Nice. Um, but they get home from school. You get home from work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay. XL, uh, one, eight, two SS. Where are you calling Hello. from? 
Uh, I'm calling from San Jose, California. All right, cool. And what do you want to talk about? Um, I was curious as to why Chopper that uh, NBA teams took such interest into the LCS. I mean, even before franchising, we had, what was it, um, the 76ers and um, well, Milwaukee Brewers are still there with FlyQuest. But it seems like the NBA specifically has taken a real um, interest in League of Legends and the LCS overall. So I'm kind of curious. I have my thoughts, but I'm curious on why Chopper thinks. Um, I think it's a combination of a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think when, when you think about pro sports, they think about people watching their sports on TV. And when they're trying to understand what younger demographics are doing, they increasingly are concerned about people who are leaving TV behind and watching things online. And so then when they say, well, what are they watching online? A lot of people say, well, they're watching Twitch and they're watching esports. And when you look at league and you look at some of the other sports, uh, but, but league in particular, I think league is probably the easiest sport to understand in its relation to basketball. I think it's a five on five game. Some of the positions and the differences there are kind of analogous to the five positions that you see on a basketball team. Um, and also the NBA typically has a younger demographic than, you know, baseball or hockey. So they're a little bit closer to the same fans who are watching our league as, as uh, you know, are potentially watching theirs. So I think, there was kind of a natural demographic overlap. Um, and I think once, you know, teams like um, like the Sixers, but also individuals like Rick Fox started getting involved, I think that yeah. kind of threw up a bit of a, a, a an interest bell among the other owners, um, more so than it did in other sports where it might not have necessarily made as large of a ripple. But, you know, I mean, Rick has been a fantastic evangelist of league of legends sports for a couple of years now. And that's a guy that knows every owner in the league. And so I think, you know, he's been able to be a really great advocate. Um, and then the other thing is we actually do events. Uh, we have done several events in NBA venues. And so one of the first ways that Madison square garden company kind of was introduced to esports was when we went and did an event there and they kind of looked around and said, this crowd is amazing. This is a great event. You know, how can we get more involved here? And a year, a year and a half later, you know, obviously investing in CLG. Um, so I think between the the overlap that we naturally have with the demographic, I think the awareness caused by a couple of key sort of celebrity influencers. Um, and then finally, the venues that we used, whether it be MSG or the Staples Center, um, we're, we kind of look at a lot of the NBA venues as uh, potential options. And so all of those, I think, just naturally led to a greater amount of awareness from the NBA owners and thus interest. Yeah, right. I mean, I pretty much had this the same thing, like with my same thoughts. Because the other thing I was thinking was that, like, it was like focus on the players. When you look at the NBA players and you look at the LCS players, the one thing that they have huge in common is that they both use social media a lot. A lot of interaction happens not only between fans and players, but also between player and player, you know? Mm. Like seeing players go back and forth and then seeing players kind of go back and forth. Even when you look at the offseason, like recently, the Cleveland Cavaliers made a whole bunch of trades right before the All-Star break. And a lot of those things, those the news is coming from sports writers putting it on Twitter. And then when you look at the LCS offseason, you know, you most notably double lift. The first place he went to wasn't Reddit, it wasn't a, a ESPN. It was like Twitter. Like, well, I guess I'm no longer on um, TSM anymore. So, like, I, yeah, I completely agree. It kind of seems like there's so many similarities there. 
And that, that was kind of like my reasoning for them, for the NBA taking interest. That and the age gap, like you said, like the age, like you said, was really, there was a lot of money in millennials and both NBA and LCS have that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, thank you so much, Excel. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, moving on. Uh, we are just past the uh, hour mark here with Riot Chopper. For those tuning in, uh, Riot Chopper, Chris Hopper here on the show, is the head of the NALCS. Just talking about all things LCS on the show. Exciting to have him on as he's uh, clearing out. Oh, there is some movement behind him in the office. I don't know if yeah. that's a cleaning service or... Uh, security guards, they always walk the floors. Security guards. You like, sure it's not a zombie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume you guys will give me a heads up if it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. That's good television, I think, if you <laughs> if suddenly you get attacked. Uh, Justin, nice, to know, nice to know where your standards are there, Travis. Yeah. Invite the guests on, watch them get eaten. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Justin, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Koreatown, Los Angeles. Koreatown, Los Angeles. You're right here. Uh, did you have, when was the last time that you went to uh, Korean barbecue? Uh, sorry, you cut off Korean barbecue? Yeah, Korean barbecue. Uh, well, my family's Korean, so we don't necessarily just have to go out. We kind of just eat at home. Okay. Do you not go yeah. to, uh, do you ever go to quarters? Oh, well, that's like the most common one, but no. Is uh, that the bad one? usually some other ones that, uh, are around. Okay. That's like the, the boring people one. Well, either way, <laughs> what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about, well, obviously it's a pretty big topic about best of ones in uh, NALCS. And um, my feelings on them, especially on someone who watches Best of Threes, also in LCK right now, mm-hmm. and kind of what I get from it. So basically, um, we changed from Best of Threes to Best of Ones and NALCS and ULCS. Uh, you know, it was meant for viewers who were able to watch all the games and for analysts who want to be able to watch all the games and be able to uh, get something out of them. But I feel we're more than halfway in through Spring Split, and I feel that the best of one format um as a fan who watches almost every game in the NALCS and who's very avid um who's very like dedicated to watching like competitive lcs i feel like best of ones just doesn't give me that same feeling best of three has and it's kind of it gives me a lack of satisfaction when teams do win and when teams do lose compared to what i get when i watch best of threes in lck and kind of um the difference in the data that you can get from the teams that play there. You know, it's, it's hard to argue the benefits that you're attributing to the best of three. And, and honestly, this is, this is kind of a 51 for um, topic. I mean, there's going to be people who feel best of three was the right format. The, there were some very vocal voices around going to best of three in this office uh, that led to that decision a couple of years ago. Uh, there's going to be people who prefer best of one for the different kind of uh, the kind of freedom and show pacing and um, kind of the intrigue of, of feeling like the underdog has a greater chance. Um, and they're kind of, they appreciate that element of the storyline. So I can't say that any of the things that you feel about that are wrong. And and at times, I think a lot of the people on this broadcast team have felt the same thing. That's why we love extending playoffs into best of fives and seeing how those longer series play out. Um, I think when it came down to it, we felt that there was some of that, let the best team win, get the most satisfaction from ensuring that the best team is winning throughout the playoffs. And when we looked at the regular season behavior, um, 
you know, it did make best of three. Best of three did make watching the league harder. It was more content. It was a longer block to sit down if you wanted to watch to see whether or not, you know, TSM could beat TL or vice versa. You know, it was a, a much greater commitment to be able to kind of see that through. And from the behavior that we could see from the fans, you know, it, that difficulty that we imposed on watching the league um, cost us in, in you know, a lot of the fan kind of behavior and, and fan viewership. So, you know, we at the end of the day, we want to make a product that is easily consumable and enjoyable for for our players and for our fans. And so at the end of the day, you know, we decided that reverting to a, a single game format was the right decision for the league. Now, that's not to say that it's the same thing for Korea. There's plenty of people who enjoy watching uh, the matches play out in the Korean format. And, you know, the things that they're going to that league for might be different than the needs that they have fulfilled uh, via the NA or EU LCS. And so, you know, it's not to say that one format is, is right and the other is wrong. And that's why we don't impose a global format. We allow different regions to have their own um, kind of decision-making authority around BO3 or BO1. Um, but we, you know, we in North America at least believe that reverting to BO1 made the league easier to watch, uh, and that seemed to be a driving factor with the majority of our fan base. So, um, you know, I, I can totally sympathize with you enjoying watching the BO3s in Korea and and wishing that we still had that in North America. But, um, you know, we we kind of looked at the fan base and and we're trying to be sympathetic to some of the the needs that were demonstrated there. So, based on what you said uh, right now, I could kind of just glean from what you said is that there has already been some improvement in fan interactions based on changing the format back to best of ones. And you put, you said throughout is like emphasis on making it so that the viewers have an easier time watching League of Legends in general, right? So um, another question I have is that regardless of what pros say and their mm. input, would you always lean towards making a decision that's always for the major public or like the bigger group? compared to like what Double Lift says about series or what Poe Belter says or what this process? Um, I think it depends on what you mean by lean. I think if you ask, is my default position always going to be that which seems to drive the most value for the fans, then I can pretty confidently say yes to that. I mean, that's part of Riot culture. We aspire to be the most player-focused game company in the world. And on the esports side, we, we echo that sentiment. Um, now, what I don't want to say there is that we're immediately going to dismiss the input of our pros and of our coaches and of our team owners, um, you know, especially in a partnered league where we're trying to build for the long term. Um, you know, there are degrees to which uh, I think they feel more strongly about certain issues than others. I think this was one where pros before we made the change were very vocally in support of it. Um, I think once we kind of existed in that world and they saw sort of it, some of the assumed advantages didn't necessarily translate as expected. I think it became a less vocal priority for, uh, you know, kind of the majority of the players mm. that said, there are still going to be players who love BO3 and there's still going to be players who say at the end of the day, you know, the only thing I care about is that the best team wins. And that happens more often in a BO3 than a BO1. And, you know, they're probably right, but we want to make sure that we're balancing for the needs of the pros, the needs of the team and the needs of our fan base. And so we need to kind of balance across all of those. And that, that led us to the decision that it did. Mm, something I would think is very hard to do. <laughs> it is, it is very hard to do because, you know, we, we have a, oh. it's hard to, 
not it's hard to not take with very serious weight the words of guys like Doublelift uh, or team owners like Reggie. Um, and when they, you know, when they have strong feelings about how this league do listen and we do take that into account. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we that's why we take a lot of care to survey our audience and make sure that we kind of understand what they're looking for. And, and hopefully we can kind of translate that into the best league for our fans. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no problem, man. It's a good question. Yeah. And, and just as a follow up to that, I would ask uh, Chopper, do you now? OK, you switch back to best of one. And if mm-hmm. this was sort of born out of the decision to like really to try to look for engagement, like are you guys actively monitoring sort of how the viewership is trending and how engaged the fans are and all that stuff and sort of compare and contrasting uh, versus before? Like how ongoing is sort of the study of the shift between best of three and best of one? Um, I would say that we are constantly looking at the because of I think that's part of just natural human curiosity to understand I wouldn't necessarily that I wouldn't necessarily say that we're doing so with the intent of taking action on a week by week basis. Um, I do think that looking at the at the numbers and understanding fan sentiment was what led us to move Sundays back from two o'clock to noon. And we were able to make that on a fairly quick change based on some very clear evidence from our fans that that's what the right move was for especially our East Coast and our European viewers of the NALCS. Um, but in terms of a more significant shift like the BO3, BO1 or, or other kind of decisions of that mag- magnitude, that's largely something where we need a greater body of evidence. And when you look at the number of changes that were made coming into the spring split, whether that be the new franchise teams, the different channels, the different time that we're on, going from BO3 back to BO1, there were so many things that changed that we wanted to make sure that we hung on to the audience that we had. And now we can really start to take a look at, okay, what can we do to refine the experience for that audience and ensure that, A, the decisions that we made appear to have been correct, which I'd say so far they have, um, and then further work to kind of bring back some of the audience that we might have lost along for whatever reason. So I think at this point, we feel fairly confident that the decisions that we made were right. And so now we're focused on continuing to grow and uh, kind of restore some of the viewers that we might have lost over the last years. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, uh, thank you so much. I actually Justin. have oh, someone who wants to follow up on this conversation in, in narrow. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go yeah. make sure his mic's good. Yeah. Thank sure. you so much, Justin. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a great question. Yeah. All right. So we've got the Echo Fox coach coming on to follow up on this. I don't know if we're about to see a showdown between Echo Fox's coach on who obviously will, will probably be hoping for best of threes and chopper, but, uh, I I'm excited to see how this goes, you know, taking a look really quickly at the subscribers. We've got, um, El Mahad, Melvin F 21 and I am hip Bob who have all subbed. And it looks like we got an arrow in the call right now. An arrow deepest, yeah, deepest coach voice in the LCS. <laughs> yeah, Where are you calling from an arrow? Uh, Beverly Hills again, you okay. know, same place, <laughs> same place. Okay. So not moved around too much lately. Uh, what yeah. do you, what do you, so this sounds like you're, you want to follow up on the last caller discussion around best of ones, best of threes. Yeah. yeah. So I know a lot of people make comments that like best of one and best of three, like best of three is better for competitive sake and like helping in a like do better internationally. And I think that argument's kind of, um, a misunderstanding. I think like best of one best of three doesn't change how any of the teams practice like everybody still goes into practice and does a best of three 
they take a break and they do a best of three again, right? Um, and then it's just on the weekend we play like two less games, maybe like at worst, right? And that doesn't really impact anything internationally. Like the only time I really cared between best of three and best of one was like when I lost the best of one. Like I feel like people only care about it when they're the team losing the best of ones because everyone wants to be higher in regular season. Like I think it's great in LCK because of the way they do playoffs is like a gauntlet run, right? So if you finish at the top of best of three, um, you basically are already second place. Like teams have to play up to face you in the finals, right? And NALCS, like we get a buy to fourth place if you're top two. So it doesn't actually change how our playoff system goes. Um, and it doesn't change our practice. So why does best of three or best of one really change anything for how we compete internationally at all? I think it's just kind of a misconception by fans, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with a lot of the sentiment that you echoed there. Um, I think one thing that we noticed in the initial conversion BO, BO1 to BO3 was we were actually surprised by how little it changed the practice schedule of teams. Um, and so it wasn't like by wanting to get ready for BO3s, they shifted to BO5 scrims. You know, they just sort of, a lot of the practice schedules stayed the same thing. So I think that was a little bit reassuring to us when we knew that we were going back was that it wouldn't have a huge impact on the practice schedule because we definitely don't want to disrupt how pros prepare. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of the points you raised. It's like most of the teams are going to be in the same spots, right? Like the playoffs are mostly going to look the same. Maybe the sixth or seventh spot changes based off best of three because of volatility affecting that, right? But it mainly ends up being the same and practice is the same. So I think the argument of international is just kind of irrelevant. Like practice has never changed over the course of LCS despite all of this. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. What did you okay, What did you personally like watching more? Because that's that's a good perspective on coaching. And I know like Cobelter has been like, I I hate this. I prefer best of threes, yada yada yada. But what do you prefer watching? Um, I honestly prefer watching best of one. I'm trying to keep up with as many regions as possible, right? And obviously, best of three gives you like more info every time. Um, but it can be hard to catch every game too. Like this is my job as well to like watch as many of these games as possible and it's hard to catch up um obviously there's more info you can get but as like a casual viewer when i try to watch something casually it's nice to be able to watch just one game and kind of have a rough idea of how it goes um but i guess competitive sake i'd like to have best of three but that's me being greedy like i can watch scrims of teams that i've played in the past too and use that just as effectively right yeah uh, i've always personally preferred best of three but like it is a bit of a nightmare when I was like last split doing GLT and blame game. And it's like, Oh, I have to rewatch like a billion games a week just to try and yeah. create content. It's like, it's much easier as a content creator too. Yeah. It can get pretty tough. Like obviously you have a clear um, idea of who the best teams are, right? That's just what happens. But yeah, it's just, I think it has downsides just for casual viewers. Okay. Thank you so cool. much. Anero, right. really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Always nice having you on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, see you. My favorite coach who has called in on this show. <laughs> I've Parth, Parth implied that he was going to. Uh, Parth implied that he was going to call in, um, but then I wasn't able. He said, "Like I have to download Discord," and then that, that just became too much work for him. I guess so. 
Well, I see. I thought he hated Skype. I see him tweeting about how bad Skype is. Yeah. Well, if we did the show on Slack, maybe we'd be able to get him on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next caller coming in just a second. You want me to grab him now? Yes, please. All right. We're uh, moving on to the next caller here. Again, if you are tuning in for the first time uh, this episode, uh, you are watching Hotline League. It's a call-in show hosted by Mark and I. This this week's uh, guest is Ryan Chopper, who hits up the NALCS. We have Khan on the line. Khan, uh, who previously has been on the show and is a Twitch sub. Thanks for sub uh, for your support. Where are you calling from again, Khan? Oh, good old Idaho. Uh, nice that Risen can remember me as somehow the only caller that calls into the show, but just good old Idaho. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people bring up Idaho. We seem to have a lot of callers from Idaho. I don't, I've already cracked too many potato jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember when I'm supposed to be cracking yeah. anymore. So what do you want to talk about, Khan? Well, I, was, I want to appreciate uh, Chopper for being so open with the community as somebody who's the head of NALCS. It's nice to see. But my question is, is kind of piggybacking off of the last guy in a way. Uh, what type of plans does Riot, you know, you guys have to improve NALCS viewership? Because, you know, I've been kind of watching the numbers all split, you know, and there hasn't really been very much of a bump, especially compared to kind of the glory days for the NALCS in like season three, season four, season five, when it was. Yep. Uh, so what do you guys have planned to maybe help bring it back? Because it just feels like we're still stuck in a lull. I mean, I was watching last week and, Games four and five were under a hundred thousand viewers on the Riot Games channel, and that's for me as somebody who's been watching from season two. That's a huge kind of disappointment. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple things. Um, one, I, I I don't think the viewership is as as dire as you're portraying. I, I would remind people who only watch on Twitch that we are also on multiple other also languages on, on twitch also on youtube sorry uh, they cut they cut out for a second yeah well, sorry I, I, also I on youtube as well as other languages there so you know are we where i aspire for the league to be in viewership no certainly not i was here in 2013 i helped work on some of those analytic reports that pulled those numbers i know how big our potential audience can be and i am the, the reason that i'm here is to build us back to that state like there's nothing fundamentally different about our league or our fan base or our teams that prevents us from getting back to that. So I like you want us to get back to that, that, that uh, sort of glory age as, as you kind of put it. Um, and I think to do that, we have a lot of things in plan. Um, some of them are going to involve working much more closely with the teams as franchise partners. I think we're going to be able to coordinate much more closely with them around the kind of content that we do and the sort of supplemental experiences that we're able to design uh, that are going to provide more rewarding and engaging experiences for fans. I think we also have a lot that we can do on the riot side to build out the digital and sort of overall fan experience uh, of being part of the NALCS. You know, I grew up as a major sports fan. I grew up a Duke basketball fan and a, a general Philadelphia sports fan. And I can remember as a kid being part of things like the junior Duke Blue Devils Club and what it meant to get the t-shirt and feel like you were part of the club and, you know, the pride I took in being able to represent my team and the fact that that meant that I didn't miss a single game. 
and you know was able to carry that on for years that behavior and so we're looking to create long-term engagement cycles with our fans and we want to make sure that our fans are able to uh, integrate with their teams and integrate with their favorite players and integrate with those brands in a in a compelling fashion um, and that's a lot of the stuff that we're working on right now you know I think it was a massive effort to launch the season given the number of changes that I talked about above I mean I don't want to underscore how challenging implementing a franchise system was for like riot as a company and also this team on NALCS and also the who had to undergo this entire process. And so I think now that we are into the season, this is really just the beginning of what we aspire to do to rebuild the NALCS into truly one of the best esport leagues in the world. So, um, you know, I, I don't have a great answer for you now other than to say that, like, let's book a hotline league in like six months. And if I haven't answered your question better by then, like then we'll start talking about more direct action steps. But like, I'm incredibly confident in this team. We have one of the best staffs in the world. And like, this is a team and, and our pro teams and owners are ready to partner with us to build this thing into something that all of our fans can be truly proud of. So um, I'm super excited about that. I know our team is super jazzed about it. Um, and I think over the coming weeks and months and, and to be honest, years, you'll see that effort reflected. All right. Yeah. I guess, you know, a few things, I guess, ideas, maybe I'd ask you if you're ever, if you guys are thinking about is like, sure. I mean, obviously if you wanted to inflate numbers for like a weekend, you could have like a Tyler one, not saying I agree with that or saying it's a good idea, but like even like special guests that come in or uh, one thing I know a lot of people are disappointed with is that there was no kind of hype or like advertisement built around the, uh, started the spring split with the new franchise system compared to like, you know, the Overwatch League. Um, you, you know, anything like that potentially that you might know of at the moment or? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for the start of the season, I I would hazard this was probably the most challenging start of season that we'll have going forward because we are transitioning so many of the teams into the league. Um, and getting a lot of those guys up on and off the ground and, you know, working with several of those teams who didn't have necessarily brands and logos and colors and all the elements that we need to kind of promote teams for the start of the season. So I think now that a lot of those teams are in the league and are going to be for years to come, that's an opportunity and ice chest waving to the, to the Twitch chat there. Um, I think that's the opportunity that we have to really cement the start of season. Uh, to the point that you raise around like Tyler one and doing other sort of like single week spectacles to try and drive traffic. As, as much as those might be fun, the long-term impact of those is relatively minimal because we're not going to make, uh, you know, a massive amount of money for the LRP and share that with owners and share that with players based on a single week's worth of viewership. And we're not going to sign a massive sponsor just because one week we happen to pull in fantastic viewership. We're trying to make decisions and we're trying to build programs and engagement cycles that can last for years and can engage someone who can come back week over week. So, as much as we might be able to utilize sort of, uh, you know, spectacle opportunities like that, that's actually, I'm, I'm far less interested in doing things like that and far more interested in having the team think about what is it that makes a fan want to tune in for five hours on Saturday and five hours on Sunday? What makes them want to watch every game on the slate? What makes them want to watch eyes on and what makes them want to watch this or that? And what makes them want to watch hotline league? Like what makes them want to engage with the wider community and the wider ecosystem? Because to me, that's the sign of a successful league. It's not whether or not we can pull in 300,000 on a single Saturday. 
It's, you know, for me, it's whether or not we're still here in 10 years. And so that's, that's kind of the direction that, that I'm hoping to build the league towards. Well, I'm happy to hear that too. Uh, and then just the final kind of point is, have you guys ever thought about taking it away from just the Sunday and Saturday type of structure? Cause one of my complaints as a viewer is I feel like, you know, you made the chains of best of one so you can watch all the games, but it can feel overbearing to have all the games on two days. Unlike other leagues that have games over five days. Um, it is something we've considered. Um, we actually started the NALCS back in 2013 uh, with shows on Thursdays and Fridays. And we started them with varying times uh, between three and 5 PM PST. Um, and the problem that we ran into was by starting that late, we had very, very significant problems with attracting both an East Coast audience as well as a European audience. And one thing that we know about our audience in Europe is that they like to consume the North American LCS, just like our NA audience likes to consume the EU LCS. So we didn't want to take steps that were going to isolate either of those audiences. Um, and so being able to utilize Saturdays and Sundays to go a little bit later. Uh, knowing the kind of viewing habits of the respective audiences that we were going with, but not necessarily having to go as late as we would on a weekday. Um, while that might work out for our West Coast viewers, and, and we know there's a ton of, uh, you know, incredibly passionate West Coast viewers out there, we want to make sure that we're taking into account the entire ecosystem. And so if there's a way that we can do something, whether through rebroadcast or kind of selected broadcast timing over the week, um, that's definitely something that we'll explore. But I think for now we feel pretty good about the the timing of our our games being optimized for bringing in the largest audience possible all right well that's everything ahead is like i said i really want to thank you chopper you're you're always open on reddit you're open on twitter you're open to travis hey man my pleasure it was a it was a great series of questions to talk about thanks con Right. Uh, and that's a sub, so you just know the quality kind of questions you get from travis's subs yeah. you know <laughs> just Great, great people all around. Thank you to Oak Silk who has subbed. By the way, Ovi used to work at used to work at uh, Riot. Uh, I think we'll go for about another ten or so minutes, uh, just because I feel like we're starting to kind of it's a, it's a lot harder for Mark and I to banter back and forth on this episode because the questions are like, will LCS uh, ever be on a different week and it's or different day of the week? And Mark and I are like, I well, we can't really involve that. So maybe a little bit of a, a shorter show. Um, as we move on to our next Gur is So here. this guy is also talking about best of ones, but he likes them. So maybe this is going to retread some common ground. And if so, hopefully we can move on quickly. But it, I pulled him a little bit ago to represent the other side of people who didn't like, who preferred best of threes. Gurin, uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Mississippi. Very good. And what do you want to talk about? Uh, so like Mark said, uh, I initially, when the split started, I didn't like going to best of ones. I thought it was a bad idea from like the competitive standpoint. But um, as the split has gone on, I've found that I've been able to watch almost every game and really like get into the LCS, which I haven't really been able to do in past splits. And um, just like um, how, um, sorry, <laughs> I can't think of the words. Uh, how like games between the ninth and 10th place team are way more exciting in BO1s. And I just kind of wanted to ask Chopper if like that was like the overall goal of um, switching to best of ones over best of threes. 
Um, I'd, I'd say it was part of the goal. I think kind of like I talked about, wanted to enhance the, the health of the overall ecosystem and worship of the product. And I think when we were in a BO3 world, to be pretty frank, um, a lot of people would tune out for a matchup of the ninth and 10th place team because it was going to take two and a half hours at a minimum. Now, when you know that it's going to be a 45-minute block within a five-hour block of, of compelling content, I think it's a lot easier to watch that. And I think it also turns into a much more engaging matchup because you know both those teams are, are far more incentivized to get that single win. And so you end up with, with much more engaging games. I mean, some of the most fun games that we've seen in the season have been with teams uh, closer to the bottom of the standings to the top. So I think that was kind of one of the benefits that we projected would come with shifting to back to BO1. Um, I wouldn't say it was explicitly the only goal that we had to make sure that the bottom teams were more watchable, uh, but it was certainly a benefit. Uh, and you kind of mentioned this just now, but do you think the best of ones gets rid of this whole like, well, we can just lose game one and then come back and win the series by playing like serious comps, like team fight comps? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you lose game one, you're out for the day. So there's kind of mm. no chance. That, um, I, I do think it probably changes how teams think about preparing and i think it it probably does encourage them to you know run what they feel is their best lineup and their best comp at all times um and and so i think to that degree you might feel like there might be less inventiveness but i think we're we're also seeing because teams know that they're always going up against everyone else's best shot sometimes some teams have to get creative to take down that other team's best shot so you know i think teams are going to adapt to make the best out of any situation that they can um, and I think, you know, it's, it's going to result in really watchable league. If you have teams that really care about competing and, and are proud of the product that they put out on the field. All right. Um, I'd also I, say, I think, uh, just generally like the best of three, like not trying in the best of ones or like the first game of the best of three was probably not that common. Like I think maybe teams were willing to be a little bit more experimental, but I doubt they ever got to the point where it's like, ah, well, we don't care. It was just like. We'll yeah. try a one-three-one comp, even though we're generally not a one-three-one team. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that was probably never too much of a concern. But I do agree that, like, maybe for the first like third of the season, before teams like settle into their spots, they don't take as many risks, and it can result to a slightly more stale meta. But like, once you get to week four or five, where Golden Guardians realize like, oh shit, we're zero eight. That's when you start seeing like Camille flex jungle and the Alawi top, and like the bottom teams start taking the risks that they need to start climbing. And I think. Maybe it's it's a little less experimental throughout the entire season, but you still see uh, at least for like meta, it it starts shaking up a little bit later once uh, the standings settle a little more. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Garen, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right, uh, just a couple more callers here as we're wrapping up. <laughs> Mark's Mark's signature noise as he moves to the other channel. And uh, just a little bit more, we're wrapping up the show. Uh, any second now, Mark's going to come back. So I move into the ASMR voice. Rico Suave is returning on the show. Uh, Rico Travis, Suave, let me see if I can remember. New York. Yep. And uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, what I want to talk about is doubling um, the future of NALCS. As in... As in doubling the amount of teams we have. Doubling. Oh, so you want to go from uh, 10 to 20. 
Yeah. Okay, so Chopper, maybe... when are you gonna just snap your finger and and double down on on uh, people? Um, I think we're not necessarily likely to tend to t- think ten to twelve or ten to fourteen, depending on how things look. Uh, is a is a much more reasonable expansion from our point of view. Um, when we think about an expansion, and, and hopefully this gets to kind of the heart of what you're you're asking about here, what we think about in terms of expansion is trying to consider a variety of different factors. We want to understand what is the competitive depth of the player pool in a certain region. So we want to understand are there going to be enough te- players to field a competitive product on the field. Um, if we feel like there is sufficient ownership interest, that's going to be able to uh, guide those teams to success. Um, and if we think there's fan interest in more content, because the one unavoidable component of bringing on more teams is that it is significantly more content that then becomes aired over the course of a week. And so, you know, we have to weigh a lot of those into consideration at various times, you know, a couple of years ago that led us to expand from eight to 10. Um, I certainly have ambitions of expanding beyond the 10 teams that we have right now. I can't commit to you when that's going to happen or, or even if that will happen. Um, but I certainly would love to see a team, a league that has more teams, uh, increasingly diverse brands and really compelling offerings for the fans. So as long as they kind of hit that quality mark and we feel the ecosystem is ready, then that's kind of the indications that we'd be considering for expansion. Okay, yeah, the reason I bring that up is because, like you mentioned before, you know, you have uh, basketball teams looking into uh, esports now, trying to get their nose in there, and then you could also include other um, sports, like, you know, maybe uh, Major League Baseball, football. And the other question I also want to ask was um, maybe as, um, as, league, as NALCS grows, maybe splitting into like two different divisions like i'm really hoping that we can finally have like a east coast west coast kind of thing happen because you know like we have to us east coast people gotta like you know wait until the middle of the day to like watch lcs but it would also be great if you know we have teams from you know like just show some love to the east coast i guess yeah and maybe later on midwest as well yeah um you know and i i think expanding to a larger number of teams certainly gives us the opportunity vision oh you're, you're um, kind of cutting out chopper it gives you the sorry. opportunity to what to do some really cool things with divisions within your league and uh different sets of teams you know the lpl uh underwent a divisional a couple of years ago and has had a lot of success there um so i think we certainly have an appreciation for that as a potential future format um it's also a great way to get around the total number of games that you have to play by limiting sort of interleague play within the division so um there's a lot that we're looking at there but i think until we feel like the ecosystem is ready to go we're not going to expand preemptively because the last thing we want to do is just put a bunch of really bad product on the field so until we're sure that those teams will be ready to go and would be fully buttoned up uh we're not going to expand beyond the the 10. What about, and this is one of those crazy ideas that fans have been talking about on this show. Yep. You know, Europe and NA merged to make one super region. And it's like the, <laughs> you know, North American League and the European League, but we're under the same thing. You kill all the, tra- like the uh, transfer rules. Kind of like, like the MLB and baseball, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge there is like, what is the goal that we're trying to accomplish? You know, is are we trying to see more NA versus EU competition, but in a world where all of the inter 
policy rules go away? What do those teams actually then mean in the context of NA versus EU? Um, and, and coupling that with the massive logistical difficulties of trying to do offline matches that involve teams traveling potentially from Berlin to LA on a semi-regular basis. You know, we experimented to a degree with this with Rift Rivals to see what it looked like to be able to kind of understand having, uh, you know, NA teams versus EU teams and having that be on a, on a quicker cadence than they would maybe match up in with Worlds and MSI. And it's really difficult on those teams to do that much travel. Um, and still find time to practice and take those matches seriously. So um, I would be pretty hesitant to to go too far down that road just because, A, I'm not sure there's too much to be gained from it because I think our fans of North America and our fans of Europe have a significant number of opportunities to see that competition happen. Um, and I also don't think that there's a ton of logistical ways that we could make that not be uh, an utter nightmare for the teams. There you go. Oh. Unless each of you in the chat says build an island in the Atlantic, just have a play there. So if someone's willing to spring for the Atlantis, uh, then I, I reconsider all of them. The Atlantis LCS studio. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Damn, I think if they're going to do that, they should yeah. uh, help make the Hotline League Live happen in Miami. No, no, <laughs> Travis. That sounds like a much better idea. Let's just Bioshock. Just build a city underwater and just play there. Yeah. <laughs> Greater priorities. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rico, for your call. Um, no problem. Oh, Thanks. Mark just switched. I was going to wrap things up. Uh, we should be good in just a moment, though, as we're taking our final caller in. Again, thanks to everyone who subbed uh, tonight. Really appreciate it. Always nice to have your support on the show. Uh, Mark, I know we have another individual in the waiting room, but I think I think we might uh, just need to wrap a little bit earlier. Azure uh, is on the show. Azure, where are you calling from? All right, keep the answers hey. quick. That's, that's what I was trying to say there. Okay. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, and what do you want to talk about, uh, Azure? Um, so the term... Uh, developing talent gets thrown at, around a lot, especially you know, in the case of Golden Guardians and other such teams. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about kind of what that actually means, because I think a lot of people seem to think that, you know, oh, these teams are bottom tier teams because players like Matt and uh, Deftly are like mechanically inferior to the other players. And that might be true to some extent. But I think the skill gap is a lot less than people actually think. And I think really what it comes down to is knowledge and the way you play the game. Because, I mean, I can say for, at least on the solo queue ladder, you know, I there becomes a point where, like, the skill gap gets less and less and less as you climb. But the reason that those people are at the top is because they make better decisions throughout the game. And I think the same can be said for professional play, for the most part. Uh, yeah, I, yes. I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, I think I think when we talk about teams like Golden Guardians, um, who are you know might be struggling right now and might be operating with players that have relatively lesser LCS experience, part of it is about getting them those additional reps and you know giving them the opportunity to play on stage and test out those decision making skills in a way that Solo Queue doesn't necessarily test. So. I think there's ways to develop talent without necessarily solely speaking to the mechanics that you can work on in solo queue. Uh, but I'm not sure if that necessarily addressed the question that you had. 
Well, it was less of a question and more, I guess, a discussion. But I, I think what what I meant more is that like practicing mechanics isn't actually hard. It's time consuming, but you know you can learn to land a skill shot no matter who you are. It just and you can improve your pre reaction time. That's that's something you can actively do even while you're not playing League of Legends. Um, but I think that another big part that plays into it is that these players that are at the bottom rungs, uh, and I understand why it happens from an analysis standpoint, because obviously you want to analyze teams from where they are currently. But I think, you know, seeing a lot of people shit on them actually probably hurts their mental a lot. And I think in order to improve, you, you have to have a pretty good mentality. I mean, there are some people that are obviously motivated by being bad at something I'm, I'm that way like if i'm bad i get frustrated because i'm bad and so i want to get better but other people you know they they like more positive reinforcement i guess and i think it makes it difficult for some of the uh, bottom tier teams to actually improve when they think they're shit yeah but i would say i mean just looking at golden guardians like if that team was so bad, why why are they three and three in the last you know couple of weeks? Like they're clearly improving, and I, I agree that like sometimes your mental just goes boom and it doesn't recover for the rest of that split. Like maybe that's what's going to happen to CLG. But I think everyone knows that those players that are on CLG at one point, a lot of them hosted the trophy or hoisted the trophy, or like you know they were good players. So maybe this roster isn't the right thing. Maybe that they're missing something. Maybe they're missing Afro, whatever it is. But like a lot of these guys will probably get another chance in the league. And like developing talent uh, doesn't just mean like, oh, well, they're picking up wins. Therefore, they're developing like you can develop and still be losing, I think. Yeah, but but I mean, do you think that it's just there's no way that these players on CLG are ever going to mesh that literally they are just incompatible and they could never learn to work together? No, I'm not. Yeah, I think it's not that they're like they'll never learn to work together, but it's that some rosters just have better like cohesion together like discernible play style and so that's clearly lacking on a team like clg and you can build all that up and spend a substantial amount of time trying to build something that's not there or you can go out and try and find it through roster moves which is something that you know is a decision they'll have to make probably this off uh this split off season yeah well with the new system in place the franchising like I, I feel like everyone was talking about how, oh, you know, we're going to actually give players a chance. And then immediately after teams started losing, everyone was talking about how they should just replace all their players. I don't know. It, it, that was just the way I saw it. Yeah, I mean, it also depends what your goals are. Like Golden Guardians didn't build that rush to win the LCS. So who knows? <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for calling in, Azure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, Mark, I thought we were done. Mark is going to get the last person. He's very insistent, very insistent on making this happen. So it looks like you guys get a bonus caller. Uh, and Whoops will be here shortly. Hello, Whoops, where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Diego, California. Oh, yeah, you're a little quiet right now. I'm going to turn oh. you up a bit, but if you can also move your... All right, yeah. yeah. If you could just stick the microphone in your mouth, please talk. <laughs> actually. All right, so, excellent. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, and what would you like to talk about as you're you're closing out the show for us? Uh, so I know this is a controversial topic, but I'm talking about how uh, I think EU is probably going to shit on NA during MSI and Worlds this year. And how I think franchising hasn't changed the overall quality of uh, NA as a region. So Mark, 
I told you, I was like, okay, I think we're going to have to miss that last caller. You went and got this guy, and he's a caller who just wants to talk about how EU's going to shit on NA. Breaking I my didn't heart. go out and get this guy with any, like, I got him a while ago. Whoops can vouch. He's been in that room. I know, for like, I know, I know. I'm just laughing because I, I thought we were, <laughs> we were dishing him. Uh, it's just a funny call to come in. All right, whoops. Uh, I don't know why you're saying this because the NALCS, if you look at how competitive it's been, it's more stacked than ever. Uh, even the bottom team can take games off of some of the top teams. Uh, I, clearly, I don't know. You know, you haven't been watching. I think. Well, you say that some bottom team tier teams can take uh, games off the top teams, but I'd say EU is even more exciting than NA is this year. Yeah, we've had underdogs like Giants and Vitality come up and start beating the league, even though now Vitality seems to have jumped off a cliff and is just playing like shit. But that's besides the point. Uh, teams like H2K are rising out of the ashes and are starting to take uh, games off of some really good teams. And the way that the top teams in EU are playing, like Fnatic and G2, I think that if they have to play against Echo Fox and C9, who are the current uh, top two teams in NA, in my opinion, uh, NA doesn't stand a chance. Okay. And, the and, Twitch and, chat right you know, now is spamming the hang-up emote, including Steve from Team Liquid, <laughs> who is spamming it. So, Well, if Steve's team could start playing a little better, then maybe I wouldn't be saying this. Oh, okay, all right, Ooh. all right, all right. Steve's going to get in here. I feel like he's going to shit-talk you. Uh, Chopper, you were going to say something? I, I, I mean, look, like we we have a lot of folks here who are product, and I'm super close with the guys who, who run that league as well. There's between the two of them. Uh, I don't happen to coincide with your view on this one. NA is, is uh, primed for, for international play. And I think, you know, uh, but, but it's, it's hard to take away from the EU guys. I mean, it's been great watching guys like Vitality and um, the, uh, the mid laner uh, G2K kind of jumping up out of nowhere. And it's great to see guys like that get in place because I know now who the, is the NA mid that we're going to steal for next year. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's great to see kind of a, a farm, a farm to, uh, pool of talent continue to crop up. And, um, you know, we'll see how this goes at MSI and Rails. What was that phrase you uh, said right at the beginning there, Chopper? It was like, I don't think we align on this or something. What was it? Uh, I don't. I, I said I don't think we're particularly aligned on the the how that'll yeah. shake out. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's like yeah. the riot way of being like, man, fuck you. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> they're equivalent of you know the PR talk in, in meetings of yeah. like. And, nah, and man, look, maybe I can respect may, that. Maybe maybe I'll eat my words, but uh, I know there's a lot of really motivated and hungry teams out there, and I'm excited to see them take the stage internationally. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited we'll, to see how they play, but and we'll find one out thing I'll enough. say too is just like franchising is more of a long term solution, I think, than just like this split. So maybe EU, even if they do crap on us, I think it's fine to make fun of NA, but it's probably not like see, look, franchising was stupid after a split. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah. it's just, oh, we, oh, look, NA took Sven and Mythian, Power Vival and Fabivin, EU's ruined. Oh. We just replaced them. Is there something in the water over there? Is that what? Is there like some Swedish hot spring water that they're giving to them? Is yeah, that why they? Is that why they suck when they come to North America? <laughs> oh Jesus! It does. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Wilps, for calling in. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, so we're wrapping up the show. Uh, Mark, is there anything you any shoutouts, plugs, anything you want to say here at the end? Um. No. 
He's like, he's like looking around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes something <laughs> jogs my memory. Like I got a Domino's pizza behind me. Uh, shout out to Domino's. I got a free redeem pizza because I order there so much, you know? Yeah. Uh, I should have a blame game this week. It might not be a full feature one because I couldn't find that many topics I found interesting. So it might be like a three and a half minute one. And we'll see how that goes because like, I don't really just want to pad it out with like content that I don't feel particularly compelled to talk about. So we'll see, but there should be something coming out tomorrow or Thursday about it. Yeah. Uh, Chopper. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure guys. This was, this was great. I'd be happy to come back if you would have me. Oh yeah, we definitely will. Definitely will. So thank you. Is there anything you want to shout out? Uh, I'll shout out the NA Academy broadcast on Friday and then the LC cast on saturday and sunday uh starting at uh two o'clock on saturdays and noon on sundays 30 minutes earlier if you wanted to catch the pregame um, yeah. and, and see all of that beautiful mark z content as he continues to uh crush the various pets of our NALCS staff crush um, them. it's very violent so uh not, not physically <laughs> not not physically just in just in picking games yeah. where it really where it really counts um but yeah we got a couple weeks left in the season uh we've got some exciting content some stuff coming up uh and then obviously you know, tune in for the playoffs this year. I I think it's going to be our most competitive run yet. I'm incredibly excited. Show in Miami is going to be dope. Uh, and we are, you know, we're running full steam ahead. And we're excited about what we've got coming forward. By the way, just uh, as a follow-up to the last caller who made that joke about Steve, Steve just posted on Twitch chat, said, all right, just got back from the burn clinic. So he's he's okay, guys. He's recovered from it, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, thanks so much, Chopper, for coming on the show. Uh, it, was a, it was a really fun one, and I really appreciate it. For everyone else... Oh, yeah, Travis, before you cut it, I just want to shout out the Chainsmokers catalog from 2012. I think it's 2000. Everything that's changed. This is a Kelby thing. I was going to say, this is a Kelby thing. Everything that Chainsmokers did produced from 2012 to 2016, I think is what he says. What what is the date, Kelby? Right. I just see him spamming go mark in the chat. Yeah, like I don't know if I got the shout now out. Now chat's just right. spamming the Kelby email. We have to wait yeah, for the Twitch whatever. Yeah. Uh he has I think oh I think it's on oh through 2016. Okay. It's yeah, 2013 to th- 2016. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh anyway, thanks so much everyone. By the way, this show is a podcast. You can find it on uh iTunes and on Google Play and other places. Uh, there's a YouTube video, so if you watch this and you want to watch the YouTube, it goes up there. We also clip out some of the coolest parts, uh, and I've got videos going up. Uh, there's Patreon. Thank you to Omen for sponsoring. That's, I think, everyone. This is uh, episode 15. Thanks for watching.